Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Warning. Guests of The Roy Green Show may experience the truth, being in the hot seat, and in some cases, crying. The Roy Green Show continues on the Chorus Radio Network. By now, just about everybody in this country is familiar with this voice and this speech. Listen. A couple hours ago, I learned about troubling allegations about my conduct and character. And I'm here tonight to address them. First, I want to say these allegations are false. Categorically untrue. Every one of them. I will defend myself as hard as I can with all means at my disposal. Patrick Brown, when he was still the leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party, that was Wednesday night. By Thursday morning, he was gone as the leader, and now the interim leader says, I won't sign his nomination papers. I don't want him. No surprise. Andrea Horvath, who's the NDP leader in Ontario, similarly said he wouldn't be in my caucus. And uh, the premier, who doesn't want to be political about it, was, of course, political about it. That was just one, and then there was Kent Herr, the now former cabinet minister in the Justin Trudeau government, the only liberal MP in the city of Calgary who was accused of, well, being a creep. He was singled out, or he was, it was Kristen Raworth, or Rayworth, who was, uh, who spoke out against, one of the people who spoke out against, um, the former minister, her. Have a listen to Kristen Hay- Rayworth. My very first experience with him was in an elevator when he um, called me yummy. And at the time, I was 25 years old. I was very, you know, naive about that, and I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond when someone is saying this to you as an elected official. And that was when she was a, an employee in the Alberta legislature. Mr. Trudeau has, since he's come back from Davos, he's spoken to the issue of sexual harassment, and he believes that one of the answers is to have more women in politics. Add women change politics is how we will make a better country. Making workplaces better, safer, more welcoming places for women is not just the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. Prime Minister of Canada. Now, I go back to yesterday when Michelle Simpson, our good friend on Beauties and the Beast on Saturday afternoons, who's a former Liberal MP and was Justin Trudeau's seatmate during question period, Michelle was on the program yesterday with us and we were talking about this whole issue of sexual harassment. And Michelle said two things that really stuck out. And people have been sending emails and been responding to that on Twitter as well, at the Roy Green Show. And uh, what she said was, we were told during orientation as female MPs, we were told it's going to happen to you. There will be sexual harassment. Essentially, keep your elbows up. And then if, if it happens to you, when it happens to you, after it's happened to you, keep your mouth shut. 
Don't say anything. Just keep your mouth shut. That was what Michelle Simpson said. Now, going back to Kristen Rayworth, she has been quoted as saying, since she spoke about Kent Her, she's been threatened. And a note was put under her door at home, and it uh, read, shut the F up, or we're going to come after you. And now she has parliamentary, or at least she has uh, she has some kind of protection. She had, I don't know if it's police or uh, whether it has uh, it's, it's government protection. She has some level of protection now. So this is a this is an an issue that has this whole country talking, and it's impactful on all of us because we start to look at the relationships that we have with one another, men and women, women and men. And there have been those who've said, look, the relationship is going to change significantly. We'll no longer have the kinds of relationships we had where we can joke with one another, where we can flirt with one another, where we, whether we can be relaxed with one another, because everybody's going to be on their guard now. I want to talk to Elise Mills about this. She's the president of Contact Communications in Vancouver. She was a communications advisor for political parties and party leaders on Parliament Hill in Ottawa for 20 years. And she knows Patrick Brown. Elise, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me today, Roy. Uh, let's start with uh, Mr. Brown. You heard the clip. You heard his voice. You know what's happened in the last close to 72 hours. What needs to be said? Well, I think he's, he's the face of a growing uh, level of concern for two reasons. I'm not here to defend Pat at all. I, I, I was just as disheartened and devastated as everyone else was to see this happen. Um, but I think there's a conversation that's beginning to happen now where not just myself, other women, women in the media, um, I think Andrew Coyne wrote a great piece in the National Post the other day, is how far is this going to go? How long are we going to be able to withstand anonymous accusers coming out 10 years later, five years later, sometimes 20 years later? And how far are we going to let it go? Are we going to allow not just men's careers, but as we've seen with Elizabeth May over the weekend being accused of being a, not just a bully, but a tyrant uh, in her office, how far are we going to let anonymous accusers destroy uh, the the uh, careers and lives of those in public service um, or celebrities. Again, it's it's a hard line uh, to 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 kind of try and separate because I think there's the I can understand uh, the wanting to be anonymous when you've been sexually assaulted or domestic violence is or any sort of violence is in play, but to be anonymous over the accusations that either Patrick Brown received or Elizabeth May has received. I'm not conflating those two things, but they can be career-destroying nonetheless. Uh, I'm not so sure I have a tolerance for it. I, 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 I believe in due process. I believe in the laws. And I believe in the laws that protect people uh, from slander and liable. Um, and, and this is what my concern is today. Prior to Patrick Brown, Roy, my concern was that the women that have been abused uh, or harassed, myself included, um, have been relatively voiceless. But this is a completely different thing that's beginning to happen. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure how we walk this line. 
No, it's uh, it's it's uncharted territory that we're that we're heading into. Certainly, the the anonymous accuser part of it, and I'm seeing time and again, uh, the people don't like this. They just don't like the idea of being able to anonymously attack someone and then have that story carried in media and have that story, that anonymous accuser or the anonymous accusers, uh, result in the ending of a career and a situation that's going to follow the person, whether it's Patrick Brown or somebody else, Kent Her or whomever, it'll, well, he's, he has people who are identified who are accusing him, but if it's, if it's somebody who's anonymous, it's going to follow you for the rest of your life. Either way, it's going to follow you for the rest of your life. It's, if it's anonymous, you can't fight back because you don't know who you're fighting back against in some well, cases. But- that's that's so true, and and in, as you know, Roy in Canada, we have some we have laws that protect the identity of minors. We have laws that protect the identity of rape victims uh, or who have been victims of uh, violence for for various reasons, and it and it differs depending on each case. That I will always protect, but to be anonymous and to come out, especially after you didn't go through due process in within the office structure. Uh, and I, I want to just tell your listeners that within the Parliament Hill structure, whether you're a constituency assistant uh, or on the Hill, there are protocols in place. There are people you can speak to uh, if you have any concern whatsoever. Uh, there are laws there to protect you. Yes, I understand that um, that you 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 may find it difficult to do that. Uh, but if it's an ongoing problem, you don't leave it, um, and you definitely don't return to the job. And, and continue on as business as usual, and then, you know, be, then put out a complaint, you know, 10 years, five years later. I don't think that's the right way to do this. And I think that, um, especially as an adult, um, you know, someone like Patrick Brown or, you know, uh, anyone else that's been facing a, an anonymous accuser who's of legal age, who has not been a victim of rape or violence, they have the right to see or know who their accusers are. And that is just the law. That's just the way it is in Canada. And I will fight for that law and that freedom every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also I, I, I'm concerned that when we put these accusations to the test through the legal system, because I would absolutely, if, if Patrick Brown believes he's, he has not done any wrong, I would suspect that he's going to pursue defamination and other uh, legal actions. And then the, the, the Progressive Conservative Party has a problem. It uh, has wrongfully dismissed him. This will drag them back into this particular scenario as they're trying to move forward on a leadership. It will also further the debate of believability with women. Um, and it will put us back into the question mark zone. Can people trust us if, if these accusations can't hold water? And that's why I always make sure to temper my response now, because I've just learned whether it was the issue of the hijab um, accusation or the, the, the non-existent crime that happened in Toronto, or whether it's something like Patrick Brown, I try and take my foot off the gas because I sometimes, you know, those tweets or those comments don't age very well. And you can, you can really add to the burden um, of those who are innocent. Well, you know, you talk about things that follow people, statements that follow people, actions that follow people. Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne and John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, immediately uh, expressed essentially uh, some critical assessments of Canadians as far as racial tolerance is concerned after the story of the 11-year-old broke. And then we found out that it wasn't true. And uh, 
And I've heard more than once, and it's usually been directed toward the prime minister, saying, how's that working for you now? So that will follow you. And so the next time Justin Trudeau takes a position early, he has to be careful because he was wrong on on this one. Now, yesterday, I mentioned at the top of the hour, yesterday we spoke with Michelle Simpson, the former liberal member of parliament, and she's as honest and ethical as the day is long. Terrible cliche, but it's true of Michelle. And uh, she, she was, I mean, she paid a terrible price politically for being honest with Canadians, a story we've talked about many times. But Michelle said yesterday, during orientation, women members of parliament, rookies, are informed of the fact, warned, that they will become victims of sexual harassment. And the advice is, keep your elbows up. And then part B of that advice is, and after it happens, keep your mouth shut. Well, I, 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 and I think Michelle's great, and, and I'm, I'm a fan of hers, and I tune in when she's on your show, um, and, and, and I, I, I'm shocked to hear that. In Conservative Caucus, I have never heard that, um, the, and, and I am a Conservative, I'll put that right out there. I have a tendency to believe, and I once started out as a Liberal, that our, that our climates and our atmospheres are very different, and I can say right now that if there was sexual harassment, if any conservative MP felt that she had been disrespected in any way, whether it was a disrespect or a violation of her person, uh, there would be zero tolerance for it. And I was, I've, I've been, uh, that's how I came in. That's exactly how Mike's been my experience all the way through. And if I was Michelle, I would have thrown a fit hearing that. I, you're now talking about a somebody that's telling uh, a group of new liberal MPs or new female MPs for the Liberal Party that they are sort of to put up with it and shut up. Well, that's a violation of their human rights. It's a violation of employment standards, and it's a violation of the labor laws mm. uh, that govern the, uh, the province of Ontario um, that pretty much carry forward to every province in this country. I, I cannot understand how that is at all okay, and um, that is something that some good reporter up on the hill should be investigating, as far as I'm concerned. Very it's quickly. astonishing. Very quickly. She also, of course, was punished for the fact that she informed Canadians about her expense spending online, and the party told her to stop that. The party leader told her to stop that. Initially, he offered her a bribe, a big office with its own bathroom, and when she said no... They just shut her up. We have to take a break. We'll come back with uh, Elise Mills and talk some more about what's going on as far as sexual harassment issues are concerned within the governments of this country, particularly the federal government. People are looking at politicians now and looking at what's been going on in politics. Uh, Elise sent me uh, an email, and uh, there are three particular points that she raised in the email. I want to talk to her about those when we come back. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. It's never okay, it's never okay for anyone to feel they've been a victim of sexual harassment or feel threatened in any way. Let me make this clear. A safe and respectful society is what we expect and deserve.
Elise Mills is the president of Contact Communications in Vancouver, was a communications advisor for political parties and party leaders on Parliament Hill for some 20 years. Elise, um, the three points that you raised, I don't know if we have time to get them all in before the break, but we can do a couple after the break if necessary. But the points that you raised, you said there are three problems that you see in politics, a fine line. Number one, women are targeted when you say no. Mm-hmm. Explain mm-hmm. that to us. What happens? Well, it's it, it, it's no on a couple of different levels. It's no if you don't go to the after party or stay later at the bar. And, and it kind of comes into this, what some of my female friends in media were saying, and politics, which is the, the guys, and I understand this, they hang out together, they play golf together, they drink heavily after. And unfortunately, as a woman, I'm not necessarily wanting to do that. But that's how they do business. So women will, will some women choose to stay on. And, and yeah, I find it, it, it's a difficult line. A lot of us women choose to sort of back out and go home when we know it's time to sort of hang up our purse and, and go to bed. Um, so there's that aspect. Then there's, the, there's always one or two in every group that thinks that because you've stayed or because you're putting up with some of the sexist jokes or uncomfortable behavior that you're good to go. Um, that you're on side, quote unquote, with the team, with what they're up to. And the moment you say no, you're isolated. And there are just some men in this world that just don't understand what a woman is thinking, what, when she feel, doesn't feel safe, and when it's inappropriate. And she'll be punished for that. Now, one of the reasons why women will go and, and go out and hang out at the bars later than they want to or go to parties they don't necessarily want to go to or talk to men they don't necessarily want to engage in personal conversation with is because the opportunities for women, it's a little bit like throwing breadcrumbs out to the sparrows in the morning. They're all fighting over the crumbs. That's what it's like for women in politics, at least until the, I would say, the last five to ten years. The opportunities don't come very often to us. And I'm not talking about, can you get me a cup of coffee, honey, or can you jump on the campaign plane and distribute some press releases. I'm talking the strategy, where the big decisions get made. Hold that thought, please. I need to take a break. We'll come back with more with Elise Mills, about what goes on in Parliament and uh, sexual harassment side of things. I I don't think things are going to change very much. It's been going on for years. When this dies down, and it will, I think the same old, same old will resurface. I think. We'll come back. Big stories and even bigger guests. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Oh, uh, last weekend, as I mentioned to you yesterday, last weekend, I was in touch with Patrick Brown's communications people, and I asked for Mr. Brown to come on the show and respond to Premier Kathleen Wynne's comments about minimum wage. And the communications people for Mr. Brown said, well, he can't make it today. There's too much going on. But how about next weekend, Roy? Uh, 
And my reply was, let's see if something happens first. Well, who knew? And here we are a few days later, and we're talking about the issue of sexual harassment, which has this whole country talking. And uh, some people, you know, sending emails saying, is yesterday's flirting today's sexual harassment? How do I deal with people now? Other people are just angry. They're just really angry at the whole, at the whole situation. It really upsets them. But the most fundamental concern still is anybody having the apparent right to anonymously accuse someone of sexual harassment or sexual assault, to be able to do that without identifying who you are when you're making the complaint. And when that ruins careers and lives, that upsets people. Elise Mills is with me. She's the president of Contact Communications in Vancouver. As I've been telling you, was a communications advisor for political parties and for party leaders on Parliament Hill in Ottawa for some 20 years. Elise, uh, let's go back to the three points that you mentioned in your email. The first one we've dealt with, and that's women who are targeted when they say no, they don't want to go to certain events, parties, they just want to not be one of the boys. So the, the, other, the second one was that there's no HR system on the campaign trail. What do you mean by that? So I think really where the biggest problems are are not on the Parliament Hill uh, offices, as I mentioned before, or the constituency offices. I believe especially at the constituency level, uh, young women, older women, everybody uh, is is very well taken care of through there. Um, that's a completely different arm of what we're talking about. When we get on the campaign trails, and this is not so much today, and it definitely hasn't been something I've seen for for a few campaigns now, but when I started in the 90s, um, and it's hard to believe I'm that old, but when I started in the 90s, it was just a free-for-all. I mean, it was... It's a rough and ready environment. Um, the the it's very tribal. So and the further you get into the campaign, the more competitive and combative it becomes. And it's it's very testosterone driven. And it's not to say that women like myself don't enjoy that level of political sport. Uh, I'm not a shrinking little violet. I like I like the idea of beating my opponent and being smart about it. But the environment that used to happen there was that you know we take off in the morning on the campaign planes and you know you'd start not myself because I had to work with uh, the public and media but lots of people including some of the leaders I worked for would start drinking and it used to just be this non-stop party bus that would go on and then you land and you haven't had much sleep and you land and you land in a hotel that you're in a place that you may not be that familiar with and everybody immediately descends to the bar and more drinking takes place and when I was coming through, the men were the ones that had all the positions of power. Um, most of us women were doing what I was doing, which was, you know, media relations, wrangling the media, sort of the, the girly type jobs, I would say. And, uh, and we were differing constantly to the men in positions above us. And I think that what was happening in those spaces in those times, um, 
there were and and in those campaigns there's absolutely no hr there's no one to go to there's no one to manage or arbitrate any of the situations and there's no one there to protect the innocent or enforce innocence before guilt and most women during from my generation weren't going to leave a campaign because they got a little bit of a little offended and i can tell you roy and you know this about me i've put up with a lot in the last 20 years um, I, I've, I've, but I've always known how to get myself out of a situation. Should I have had to have done that? No. Should I have had to deal with the revenge that when I said no? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But, but I always knew as a woman I had to self-govern. I had to have my own responsibility for myself as far as I could take it. But again, there is no HR system. So my advice to political parties, you want to get out of some of this trouble? Get rid of your known offenders. Number one, parties, uh, I can name two or three men on the Hill right now that I know are perpetual offenders, and their parties have not released them in the last two decades. Get them away from that circle. It should be a privilege, not a right to work in politics. We are supposed to be the creme de la creme in this country. We're supposed to be the smartest, brightest, and most ethical. And I don't understand how that works when you're keeping these guys around. I would also include women who have behaved badly on campaigns and in government. They should be out, too. That would go a long way. Then put a HR system into your campaigns. I know people are going to say to me, Roy, oh, well, it's, you know, a campaign. It's rough and ready. It doesn't matter. It's 2018. Make sure that you employ the same standards for, for labor and staffing as you would on the Hill and act like everybody's watching you. One last question for you. Is everything that's happened, is all the talk that's going on, all of the advice that's been given, all of the excellent advice that you've given now, is that going to actually make an impact uh, on Parliament Hill or when this, if this dies down, I suspect eventually it will, when it does, will anything change? I I think that things have changed to some, to a, to some degree. I think what's happened is, is that there's, there's also an aging out of a different mindset. But like I just said, unless certain parties and certain leaderships are, have the uh, foresight and actually the ethics and the morals to get rid of these guys. Like, it makes me sick, Roy, to see people stand up and men stand up, male leadership stand up and call themselves feminists when I know they're employing guys that are anything but and could actually be held accountable in a court of law for what they've done. But they keep them, you know, because they're best buddies and they're golf buddies. Well, nothing's going to change until those guys go. And the other part to that, the other part of the relationship is women have each other's backs. I get that we're fighting over the same crumbs, which makes us adversarial. But you've got until we come together, until we believe each other, until we force that action, nothing's going to change because jealousy and competitiveness at that level isn't working for us. So it's the two issues. And I actually think most of the leadership, well, actually, the leaderships I do work for, and I'm in a position where I can pick and choose who I work for, and I'm lucky. But I've never, I've not had a client in the last, I'd say, seven to ten years who I've had to teach good behavior to. I've just not. And the men that I work with are amazing. I, they are my mentors. They are people I look up to in the community. I, I do not hang my hat on campaigns that have a, have a stink or a stench to it. I, you can see them from a mile away. 
just because they look good in print or they're photogenic or you think you can win them and stack a bunch of memberships doesn't mean they deserve the position. Start acting like what Canadians want us to be, which is worthy of the job, not just because we're pretty in the, in the pictures, but because we have ethics, values, morals, and a standard. You use the word amazing. You are amazing. Oh, boy, thank you. Thank you, Elise. I really appreciate it. I want to ask a question of our callers now, and we'll have you back real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It meant a lot to me to be here today. Thank you. Take care. Elise Mills on uh, the Roy Green Show, the president of Contact Communications in Vancouver. So we're going to come full circle on this for the week, on this program anyway. And I have one question for you at 800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. And the question is, was it patently unfair to Patrick Brown to allow his accusers to remain unidentified? Should women who name a man as being a sexual harasser or a sexual assaulter also be willing or be required to have their identities revealed? one 263 2428 I want to know how you feel about this, how you interpret this, how you see this issue now. Should women who name a man as being a sexual harasser or assaulter also be willing or be required to have their identities revealed? For some women, that could be extremely difficult, and it might be a career-challenging move. But is it necessary, if you're going to identify somebody as a sexual harasser, that your identity should be similarly revealed. No no anonymous um, accusations. 800-263-2428. We'll come back and hear what you say in a minute.